good morning, church. I hope you're doing great this morning, and it's good to see all of you here. And if you're our guest, if you woke up this morning and thought, I'm going to go to church today, and you're here, we want you to know we're excited that you're with us. Or if you're watching online, thank you for joining us. You're a part of the church, and it was so neat. I had the opportunity to talk to someone today that used to be a part of our church. They've moved out of state, and they were back visiting this week, and they said, hey, every week I get to be with NCC because I watch the videos online. And so if you're watching online, thanks for being here with us and and being a part of what God is doing. And if I haven't met you yet, my name is Aaron, and I am the lead pastor here at New Community Church, and we're a church that's passionate about making people and places new. And that's our prayer this morning, is that God would do something new in your life and that you would be excited and you would want to continue to come back and see what God wants to do through your life, both in this church and in our community. And so we're glad that you're with us. We're in our third week in our final week of this series called My Big Fat Mouth. So we've been talking about how our mouths get us in trouble, the things that we say. And um, we talked about that, that little rhyme that we said as kids, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And we said, hey, that's a lie, okay? That's not true at all. The things that we say, they do matter and they impact us. They impact our relationships. They make a difference, you know, um, to those around us. And so we want to look at what God's word says. How do we control the things that we're saying with our mouth? And what is God's word? challenges with this. And so we've been walking through a couple of focuses. And so the first week we talked about lying. Okay. So we want to be people who tell the truth. We don't want to lie. And every week we've had a verse of the Bible that we've been memorizing and focusing in on. And so it's pop quiz time. Okay. So if you've been here the past few weeks, we're going to say this out loud. It's not going to be up on the screen yet. Okay. This is Proverbs 12, 22. Okay. The Lord hates every liar, but he is a friend of all who can be trusted. Proverbs 12, 22. Let's see how we did. Okay. If you said that out loud and you said that, you got it right. So we want to memorize that. Once again, we want to be people who tell the truth through our words, our actions. We want to be speaking the truth. And last week we talked about gossip. Okay. So our memory verse was 11, Proverbs eleven thirteen, And we'll say it out loud. It won't be up on the screen yet. Okay. But this was our memory verse last week here. Let's say it. A gossip tells everything, but a true friend can keep a secret. Man, you guys got that, and I forgot it this service. I got it right last service. Okay. A gossip tells everything, but a true friend will keep a secret. Proverbs 11, 13, okay? And this is our verse this week, okay? So this is what we're focusing on. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God. Philippians 2, 14 through 15. So we're going to say this out loud. I want you guys to say this with me. Let's repeat it a couple of times. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God. Proverbs 2, 14 and 15. One more time. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God. Philippians 2, 14 through 15. Okay. So there you guys have it. You can take a picture of that. We'll have it up on social media again. We want to encourage you to keep that in front of your mind, right? To keep that in your memory whenever you're getting ready for work. Students, you're walking to the next class in your school, that you keep that in front of you and remember that because we're talking about that. How do we, um, how are we careful with what we say? As I mentioned last week, we talked about gossip. We don't want to spread gossip, right? We want to be wise in what we say. And so we want to be people that can keep a secret. We want to be good friends. And that's what God's word is challenging us to do. And um, let me throw this out. 
out because I had a few people that asked me about this. Last week, when we talked about gossip in the middle of the message, I gave some illustrations and I talked about how in the church sometimes we um, hide prayer requests as gossip. Okay. And I had a few people ask me about that. That's not a problem we have in our church. Okay. Just in case you walked away and thought, wait, is Pastor Aaron trying to tell us something? It's not a problem that we have in our church um, with our prayer team. Like we don't want to be those kinds of people. And so we, we want to be able to have the right conversations with the right people at the right time. And so we don't want to be gossips. Today, we're looking at this idea of complaining and what we say with our words. Are we looking at the world in a negative slant Or what are the power of our words as it comes to this? And as we've been talking through these different messages and controlling our big fat mouth, we've been challenging you that our words encourage one another, that they build one another up, that we use our words to bring truth and to to bring rejoicing in all of our life. And so we're going to touch on this today. And so I wanted to just highlight someone in our church, a family in our church that is doing that. And so I'm going to ask Eddie and Adelia to stand up this morning. If you guys would give them a hand. And if you guys don't know Eddie and Adelia, they have an amazing family and they've been a part of our church for a while. And Eddie and Adelia, I just want to let you guys know when I look at your life, man, I see you guys as an example of what we're talking about. Not complaining, okay, because that would be weird if I had you set up for that. But just your encouragement, how you guys open up your home, you open up your lives not just for your own family, but even your um, kids' friends, other people that God has brought relationships in your life. You guys are people who speak life to everyone around you and everything. Man, I just see that example of that encouragement. And so we have something that we want to give you, and this is what it is. It's an encouragement board. And so it's something simple where you can write the names of people that maybe come to your house. They don't just have to be your family. And then you can take these post-its off and just write words of encouragement. And so we just want to spur on the gift that God has placed in your life. We can give that to them. And we just want to say thank you for your example. We love you guys. And so we're looking at that today. How do we build one another up once again with our words? And how do we make sure that we don't do what that verse is talking about? That we don't spend our lives arguing, grumbling, complaining, but that we become blameless and pure, the children of God. And as I was just reading through that and thinking about this idea of complaining, I thought it's pretty neat that God says, hey, this is part of his work in our life. That what you say is actually part of God working and sanctifying you and and making you more like himself. See, it's through our words, right? If they're filled with grumbling and complaining, then we're not being like Christ. But whenever we speak truth, right? Whenever we're positive and we're speaking those things out, it's part of reflecting Christ to those around us. And so we want to look at this. How do we complain less? I was thinking back to whenever I was in middle school, My family lived in New Jersey at the time. And I remember one day I got a phone call from some of my friends and they were going to hang out um, either at a park or at a friend's house. And so I um, go downstairs to my parents and I say, hey, am I allowed to go hang out at this friend's house? We're going to go do something fun together. And so my dad's like, sure you can. But you remember today is your day to mow the lawn. And I'm like, I did not remember that. And so I start in, you know, um, I get this sad look, a middle schooler look, right? Like I try to be really cute. Mom and dad, can you please just let me go hang out? I promise I'll do that when I get back. Like I won't forget. I'll do that tomorrow. Like I'll have plenty of, so I start going through all of these things and my parents were pretty firm. You have to do your chores before you go do something. And then I get frustrated. 
If parents, if you have teenagers, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like I start to get mad. This is so unfair. Like no one else treats their kids like this. This is, I can't believe you're doing this. This is torture. Why are you making it? And so I start going through this long list of stuff, right? I start arguing and complaining with them for about 10 or 15 minutes. Now our lawn in New Jersey, like houses are close together. We just have this tiny lawn. I could have probably mowed the lawn at this point, but I didn't want to do that. I was so mad at them, right? So I'm just, I'm complaining. I'm frustrated. Finally, they're not budging. So I know I'm not getting out of this. And so I go outside, I get the lawnmower, start in the front lawn. Like I crank it up. I know my parents can't hear me, but I am telling them what I think about them in that moment. And it's not like Jesus would want me to be okay, but I'm so mad at them. And and so I'm just pushing it. I'm not focused on what I'm doing. I'm just, I'm frustrated, right? I'm saying things under my breath. And all of a sudden I hit something and the lawnmower just shuts off. My dad comes outside, like it was a massive noise. And I realized that in my frustration, in my complaining and what I was doing, I had forgotten that there was a large metal pipe that stuck a few inches out of the ground in our front yard, some water meter or something. And I destroyed our lawnmower. Needless to say, my parents were not happy. I didn't get to go hang out with my friends that day, and it cost me a lot of money um, with that situation. But I realized something in that moment, and it's that I've tried to carry with me in my life, and it's this, whenever I'm complaining, I'm not focused on the moment or I'm not being present where God has called me to be. And it affects my life. You may not realize that, but if your effort and your energy is going to being negative, to complaining, to whining, to being frustrated, you're not available to be present in the moment that God has called you to be present in. You're spending your time, your energy on something else than being thankful and then and enjoying what you actually have. But we spend so much of our time doing this, you guys. Like it just comes naturally to us. You don't have to teach a little kid how to complain, do you? If you have young kids, you don't have to teach them how to whine. Hey, here's how you do this. No, it just comes naturally. They're good at that. And we carry that throughout our lives. We're easy. It's easy for us to focus in on the negative and to complain about what's going on in our life. We do this a lot. See, I read this week an article that said, we as Americans, we do this 879 million times on social media just about social media. Isn't that ironic? We go on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and we complain about what we're using there. And we talk about how horrible it is. Why don't they fix this? Why doesn't it do this? We're not amazed any longer that my friends can see videos of me in another state, right? I can send pictures that I can talk to people around the world. There's this amazing technology that connects us in our world, but yet we're frustrated, right? Because it doesn't have this feature, because it doesn't do that. It's easy for us to complain and miss out on the wonder of the world that is all around us. And we spend a lot of time doing this. We, on average, you and I today, we will spend an average of eight minutes and 45 seconds complaining. Now, in case you think, well, there's a lot of minutes in the day, like that's not a lot, is that over a year you've spent 53 hours doing that? I mean, what could you do with 53 hours? a new project, right? Something you could do at work, something that you've been putting off 53 hours. If someone could give you that back, if you and I would just stop being frustrated, stop looking at the negative in the world around us, and we would stop complaining, we would gain that time back. But we love complaining. It's once again, it's something that's easy for us. And so we complain most often about how expensive things are. Why are gas prices like this, right? We can't change that, but we just want to complain about it. The second thing that we complain about the most is there's nothing to watch on television. 
You guys, there are thousands of shows. We have Hulu, Netflix, right? Amazon Prime, Apple iTunes, all of these things that have tons of TV shows, all of these major networks, and yet we're complaining there is nothing to watch on TV. And I don't understand. If we don't like it, why don't we just shut it off? But we don't, do we? No, we want to complain about it. We want to whine about it. We want to gripe about it. It's just who we are. It's natural to us. And yet God's word challenges us. Don't be those kinds of individuals. Don't be people who find it easy to grumble and to complain and whine about what's going on. That's not going to help you to reflect who Christ wants you to be. And so I want us to look at this story because this is not a new problem that we have. This is not a first world problem. This is not um, a problem that's just started because of technology. This is something we've struggled with as human beings for thousands of years. And so let's look at the word of God. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Exodus chapter 14. We're going to start reading at verse 10. And if you didn't bring a Bible with you, that's okay. There's a Bible in the seat in front of you. It's that blue book. And it's on page 32 in that book. Um, And we want you to turn there. We want to encourage you to do that. And we're going to look at a story in God's word where we see this behavior in the people of God. Once you have that, hold on to that for just a moment. And if you don't go to church a lot or you've not read the Bible and you're like, what's going on in the book of Exodus? Let me catch you up on what's happening The people of God have just left the land of Egypt where they have been slaves for over 400 years, okay? As slaves, they built bricks, they built cities, statues, monuments for Pharaoh and for the Egyptians. They were slaves, okay? They were enslaved for that entire time. And even if you're not familiar with the Bible, you may know the story of how God brought them out of Egypt. There were these amazing signs and wonders, 10 different things that were undeniably the work of God, the hand of God, doing miraculous things to free them from slavery. And finally, the Egyptians are like, man, we can't fight against your God anymore. Go ahead. You have your freedom. And God brought them out of Egypt and they were headed towards the promised land. They had just seen God do amazing things. But then all of a sudden they get in a difficult situation and they start to complain. And this is what we see. Exodus chapter 14, verse 10 says this, as Pharaoh approached, because after a few days, Pharaoh's like, wait a minute. Who's going to build my cities now? And so he begins to chase down the people of God. The Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching towards them. And they were terrified and they cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have we done that you have in bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. We would rather be slaves It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Now you just pause there and you start to think about that. They get in a difficult situation. Yes, they're in a crisis moment, but what's their first instinct? It's to complain. It's start to whine. Now I'm thinking they've just spent the past few weeks of their life seeing God do amazing things, right? seeing God deliver them out of 400 years of slavery. I would think that someone would speak up and say, okay, God, I know this looks bad, but you're about to do something crazy awesome, aren't you, right? Like, God, we've just seen you the past few weeks do these incredible things and defy all the Egyptians, God, and show that you're real, Lord. And so I know you're about to do something amazing. I don't know what it is, but I'm ready, God. Okay, my eyes are, but no, what do they do? They start to complain. Man, we should just have stayed in Egypt. We would have been better off if we were slaves. What did we come out here to do? To die? And, and that's their attitude. Why? Because it's natural. It's easy for us to do that, just to see the negative all around us, just to see the negative in what's happening. Now, God, 
forgives them of their horrible attitude, and he parts the Red Sea, right? And they walk across on dry land. And as the Egyptians try to follow them, the water swallows them back up, and the Egyptian army is defeated. And now the people of God are, once again, they're freed, right? Once again, God shows up, but it doesn't end here. For 40 years, they complain. They're in the desert. They're walking around. God, what, what are we going to do? We have no food to eat. We're hungry. And so God says, fine, I'll give you manna from heaven. Every morning you, when you wake up, there will be bread that will have fallen down from heaven that you will eat. I assume this tasted like my grandma's homemade tortillas. Okay, they were that delicious. And, and so it's bread from heaven, right? They just walk outside. You pick it up. There's food there to eat. And then God, how much bread can we eat? Man, this doesn't taste, we don't want this anymore. So God says, fine, I'll send in quail. Every day you'll have birds to eat, right? Talk about fast food. You don't even have to go pick it up. It's right there outside of your tent every day. Whatever, I'm gonna provide for you. God, what are we gonna drink? Okay, I'll give you water from a rock. I will literally make water pour out of a rock so that you have something to drink. God, we're walking around the desert. Man, our clothes are gonna get messed up. Okay, for 40 years, your clothes will be brand new. They won't get tattered. They won't get torn. They won't get destroyed. Nothing is going to happen to them. They're going to be perfect for 40 years. Every day, the Israelites are complaining about something. And I started to discover as I read this, that when we complain, it has little to do with our circumstances. It has everything to do with our perspective, church had little to do with their circumstances. God was showing up. God was doing miracles. God was providing. God was blessing them in their life. God was taking care of them. And yet they were still unhappy. They always found something to complain about. You and I are not that different, right? God has given us so much, and yet we find the negative in the circumstances, right? We want to look for the bad in everything, and we want to complain about it. We want to whine about it. It doesn't have to do with our circumstances, has to do with our perspective. Church, what are you looking at? You focus in on the God who provides for you. You focus in on the God who loves you, who's forgiven you, or are you just looking at what's going wrong in your life? And is that where your focus is at? See, because we can spend our time being negative. We can spend our time complaining. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 10, it challenges us with this. Give thanks in all circumstances. Doesn't matter what's going on in your life. Give thanks to God for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You want to know what God wants you to do? He wants you to be thankful. That's what God wants from our life. He wants us to be thankful that we rejoice in the circumstances that we're walking through. They may be difficult at times, but we need to rejoice in what God's doing in our life. And yet we spend it complaining. Why am I not married yet? Why am I not in a relationship that person's uglier than I am, and they have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, right? Like, we can spend our time complaining. What's up? Why did that person get the, the promotion at work? Why do they get paid more? I've been here longer. I work, right? We can complain about everything. My friend, his parents bought um, him a new car when he turned 16. I didn't get a new car when, when I turned. Why is it like that, right? We can focus in on the negative. We can only look at what's going wrong instead of focusing in on what God has blessed us with his provision, his faithfulness in our life. You want to see the negative, you'll see it. But God's word challenges us. What if we chose to be people who were thankful? What if we chose to look not at the negative of what's going on in our life, but to rejoice and to be satisfied with what God has given us, with what God has done inside of us? I mean, I don't know what you could ask for 40 years of God's provision, and yet the people of God continue to complain. They continue to grumble against God 
and they don't look at God's provision and God's faithfulness in their life. And you and I, we can spend decades doing that exact same thing, just being negative instead of pausing and saying, thank you, God, your provision, your blessing, your love, your goodness in my life. God, I want to stop and I want to give you thanks. And I want to challenge you with this church that that complaining, it doesn't have to do with your circumstances. It's your perspective. You're not going to be happy if you get more. You won't. We see that in the people of God, the Israelites. God kept on showing up and giving them more stuff, and they were still unhappy. You're not, if you can't be content with what you have right now, more things aren't going to make you happy. They're not going to bring satisfaction to your life. It has to do with your perspective. Are you looking at the blessings in your life, or are you simply looking at the negative things? See, complaining isn't about your circumstances. It's about your perspective, what God wants to do. In Philippians chapter four, verse four, we see another example of this. The writer of Philippians says this, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. That's what he writes. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. He's challenging the church. Hey, you may be going through difficult things. Things may be hard in your life, but in Philippians four, he says that rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. That's what he's challenging them to do. You and I, we overcome complaining, when we begin to rejoice, right? We do that when we start to rejoice. The writer of this knew this. And so he's challenging you, rejoice. Be thankful, give thanks to what God has done. Celebrate the goodness of God in your life. And maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, yeah, it's easy for those Bible people to write that. I mean, come on, God was there. God was doing amazing things in their life. I mean, they had all of these miracles happen, all of this stuff, right? So it's easy for him to write something like that, but you need to understand understand who wrote this and where he wrote it from. This was the Apostle Paul. And he's writing this from a prison cell. As he's pinning these words, there are chains and shackles around his arms and his feet. And he's there not because he did something wrong, but because he was simply sharing the love of Christ with other people. So he's in this prison cell because he was bold enough to take the love of God, to take the gospel to other people around the world that needed to hear that. He was taking offerings from one church to another church that needed to buy food because they had a famine. He was meeting the needs of the poor around him. He was doing what God wanted him to do, right? And if anyone had a reason to complain, it was Paul. Like, God, I'm trying to be faithful and this is where I end up. But he doesn't. He says, rejoice. Always. Rejoice always. I'll say it again, rejoice. That's what he's challenging the church to do that he's writing through. You start to read Paul's life and you think, how did this guy say this? Because he gives us a list of what he faced in another book that he wrote. And he said this, he said, five times I've been whipped 39 times. Not once, not twice. Five different times I've been taken to the point of death and been whipped 39 times by Roman soldiers. I've been beaten with rods three times. One time they stoned me. They picked up big rocks. They crushed me. They thought I was dead. They looked at me and said, there's no way that guy's living. And they went back in the city. And yet God gave me another day. He helped me to continue to live. I've been shipwrecked three times. How does this much stuff happen to one person? I don't know, but it happened to Paul. I've been shipwrecked three times. One of those times I spent the entire day and night out at sea. I didn't even know if I was going to make it. Like I didn't know if I was going to live beyond that. Yet God provided for me. And then he said this, I'm opposed wherever I go. I go in the city. People are looking for my life in the country, bandits, rivers. I've almost been drowned. He said, it's my own people. It's the Jewish people that are coming after me. It's the Roman government. Caesar's trying to hunt me down. And yet he has the audacity to write something like that. Rejoice. 
You guys, I'm thinking if someone like that can challenge us to rejoice, maybe our lives aren't that bad. And maybe we need to look at, God, what's our perspective on what you're doing? God, can we see your goodness, Lord, your provision, your work, even when we're in difficult situations, even when we're facing hard times, that, God, we can find joy, Lord, in what you're doing. We can look at this differently. And I was reading a story this week, and I just saw this again, and I thought, God, help me to have that perspective was a story of a pastor who lived in Vietnam in the mid-1990s. So this was a few decades ago. His name was Pastor To Ding Trung. And Pastor Trung spent his time going from village to village sharing the love of Christ. And at this time, Vietnam was a closed country, and so it was illegal to share the word of God, to share the gospel with other people. But this didn't stop Pastor Trung. And so he was, he was taking food to small villages that had need. He was presenting the love of Christ and people were getting saved. And one day he went to this village, over 60 converts came to know Jesus. Over 60 people committed their life to Christ and the government said, that's it. And they began to imprison him. They tortured him. They beat him and they threw him in jail. And Pastor Trung, as he's sitting in that prison cell on that first day, these were his words. He said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Now I've got a captive audience and they can't get away. And he said, I'm going to preach to these prison guards. I'm going to preach to other prisoners. And that's what he spent his time doing. And he started to see so many people in that prison come and give their lives to Jesus, find the hope and the love of Christ, even in the midst of a prison cell. When one of his friends came to visit him, they said, Pastor Trung, are you doing okay? And he said, I'm doing great. God has opened up doors and opportunities. I know this is right where God wants me. And he's in a prison cell, you guys. As this story began to spread, it came here to the United States. Different influential people actually wrote the Vietnamese government and said, hey, you need to release this pastor. And so finally they did. And when they went to the prison and they said, hey, Pastor Trung, you're released. He said, it's not time for me to go yet. There's more people that need to hear about Jesus here. And he actually requested to stay and to fulfill the rest of his sentence because he wanted to disciple those that came to Christ. He wanted to be in close contact with more communist prison guards that he could let them know the love of Christ inside of their life. And I just think, church, man, it's about our perspective. We can spend our time complaining and whining about what goes wrong in our life. Or we can pause and we can say, maybe this obstacle that we're facing, God, is actually an opportunity, Lord. Maybe this prison cell, God, that I'm in is somehow your provision in my life or in the life of someone else. This looks really bad, God, but even in the midst of this, I'm going to give thanks. I'm going to rejoice, God. I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to look for you at work, God, even when my back is up against the Red Sea and I don't see the way out, Lord. I know that you're going to somehow show up, God. You're going to be there for me. And so I, as a follower of Christ, I choose not to complain but I choose to spend my time and use my words to rejoice and to give thanks to God for all of his goodness. He's been faithful in the past church. I know he will be faithful again in my life. And so I wanna challenge you this week. It's gonna be tempting. You're gonna have stuff that frustrates you. Jesus said that you're gonna face trials in your life. You're gonna face difficult situations in your life. It's gonna happen. It's a promise from God. But we do have the choice of how will we view those things? What will our perspective be like? We just gonna complain? Or will we pause and say, God, show me something different? 
And so this week, when you have that temptation, I want you to just stop, church. I want you to stop and just say, God, I don't see it in this moment, but where's the opportunity? Maybe I didn't get that promotion, Lord, because there's some relationships that I have in this position that need to know about you, God. There's someone I need to pray for. There's something you're doing. I don't see it in this moment, God, but I trust you. Where's the opportunity, Lord? Help me to see that right now. This week, when you're tempted to complain, to get frustrated about what you don't have or what someone else has, I want to challenge you to just stop and give thanks. We're going to do that here this morning. And so I want you to just take the sermon note card there in front of you or your phone and take out a blank note. And we're going to stop for just a minute here. And I want to challenge you as we've been talking about this message, we're not going to complain. We're going to give thanks. And I want you to write down 10 things you're thankful for. You may say, that's really hard. Let me just get you started. You woke up with breath in your lungs this morning, right? We live in a nation where we can come and worship in a church openly. We don't have to hide out in some basement as we worship God. We have that freedom. And so I want you right now, even as I'm talking, begin to write them down. 10 things that you're thankful for. 10 things that God has blessed you in your life. Let's just do that right now, church. Some of you may be finishing up that list. You can keep writing if you didn't get to 10 yet. But maybe you want to put that in your wallet, in your purse. Maybe you did that on your phone. And this week, whenever you're tempted to complain, whenever you're tempted to say, what's going wrong? Maybe pull that out. Add to it, church. As you're going through your week, just remind yourself, God, you've given me so much to be thankful for. Lord, you've blessed me in so many ways. Church, I believe that, that when we complain, it, it's not because of our circumstances most of the time. It's our perspective. We're not looking at God's faithfulness. We're not looking at his provision. And God's word challenges us, rejoice. Be people who give thanks. Be people who look, even in, in difficult situations and difficult trials, look for the goodness of God in everything. You're gonna find it. This is God's will for you. This is what God wants for our life. And church, that's the kind of people that we wanna be.